Thank you, team. Sometimes God whispers to me, other times he roars at me. I was told I had a, uh, a surprise at church today, and this is the Bible that I typically run around with, and uh, this is what uh, Terry Haggerty brought me. <laughs> so I think uh, she is wanting God to roar at me. And so I brought her a bike helmet, because she's going to be hammered with some conviction after this sermon. <laughs> I don't even know which Bible to read from. I'm a little confused. Uh, we're going to carry on in our Sermon on the Mount series. And so if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 7. Uh, we're going to be spending most of our time in verses 7 through 12. And if you guys are able, would you stand and I will read it to us? Matthew 7, 7 through 12 says this. Ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be open. Or which one of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a servant? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? And then verse 12 so whatever you wish that others do unto you, also do to them, for this is the law and the prophets. You can be seated. Let's pray real quick. Father God, we come before you with uh, boldness, but also with humility. And our boldness comes from just the fact that Jesus Christ has granted us access and removed every barrier that stood against us and you. And so we praise him for that sacrifice and we come with confidence uh, knowing uh, that this is your delight. And so we pray that you would bring yourself glory with everything that's done today, that we would better understand who you are by the opening and uh, listening to your word, that we would be more equipped uh, to love one another um, in the way that we express your Holy Spirit to each other. Amen. Okay, so in this passage, we're going to break this out into a few things. First, we get Jesus who he puts forth a principle it says, ask and receive, seek and you'll find, open and it will, or knock and it will be open to you. And then he puts it in the context of a human to human relationship. And the example that he gives here is a, a father and a son. Uh, and then he brings in the relationship between man and God in the way of God being our father. And then he finishes with the golden rule, the, uh, something that many, many people have plastered all over uh, schools and churches and continue to tout and, and rightly so and that's treat others the way that you want to be treated and so I was preparing for this and praying which direction that, that God wanted to go with his message and it's a little bit interesting because the the golden rule uh, phrase or um, verse here I think is one of the key summary verses of the whole Sermon on the Mount where in a way, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is talking about our motives and our relationship with the Father, and then saying how that informs and directs and guides our relationship with each other. And so as he's talking about not judging, or as he's talking about giving generously and all these things, he kind of grabs much of, captures the heart behind the Sermon on the Mount with this golden rule. Treat others the way that you want to be treated. Uh, with that being said, I'm not really going to preach on that today. Uh, I think it preaches itself. And so my encouragement to you and my encouragement to me is let's just remind ourselves of this right about 15 times a day and we'll do okay. 
If I always brought this to my mind, oh yeah, treat others the way I want to be treated. I think we'd live a, live a pretty holy and righteous and loving life. Uh, but we're going to focus a little bit more on what I kind of felt like God impressed on my heart. And it's to unpack what it means to how I take in this idea that Jesus says, ask and receive, seek and find, knock, and it will be open to you. Uh, there are a lot of implied truths that I think need considered if we're going to accurately understand uh, the heart behind this message of Jesus, and, and maybe more importantly, if we're going to accurately apply it to life. I think there's a lot of truths that are found in Scripture that aren't directly spoken of here, but Jesus is trusting that we will consider that when we try to apply this. So we're gonna, we're, hopefully we're going to unpack those things. Uh, as, as Christ did, and he first gives us an example of a father and a son, and so let's talk about what this would look like in our human-to-human relationships if we take God's, Jesus' word that says, hey, I want to encourage you in a few things. When you're relating to each other, I want you to ask. I want you to seek. I want you to knock. And the first thing I recognize is there's kind of a, a progression of intensity to these words, right? A request and then it's a little bit more of an action where we're seeking something out. And then it's a little bit further of an action where we're knocking. And so recognize kind of the depths and degree of intensity here. But let's, let's unpack what it would mean if we, as we relate to one another, if we had the freedom to ask. Depends on your personality. If, if you're a person who has no problem asking, you're a little bit more overt, a little bit more direct. Uh, I'm going to give you some warnings as well. Because uh, it can be easy to hear something like this and say, yes, all right, here we go. Because many of us are way too used to asking and asking and asking almost to the point of demanding, right? Where if I, hear, if I think something, you hear it. And that's partly from being Irish. But forgive me for that. How will I know what I think if I don't say it, right? So some of us are in this camp where we still have to consider, even though Jesus is saying, I want you to ask and I want you to, in some ways, be direct, we still are always called to consider what we're asking, which we'll talk more about kind of the, the metrics that we should use before we express this to each other. But there's another crowd of people that have a tremendously hard time making requests. And whether it's uh, for fear of rejection or whether it's because they just don't really know what they want, um, it's hard to be honest with other people. It's hard to be honest with themselves. It's hard to be honest with what the repercussions of the ask is. Can they afford a no? Um, and so there's all kinds of reasons that we uh, speak in code to each other. Uh, I was talking to a, a pilot who goes to our church in between services, and he says, oh, you're talking about hinting and hoping. And basically, back in the day, as a pilot, the the first officer would tell the captain, oh, I, uh, that weather looks a little tricky. And hope that he would make a decision based on that information. And he said, there's been a huge turn of just being direct. I don't think we should fly in there. They assess it and they make the decision. And how many times do we hint and hope in our relationships, right? And, and I tend to, uh, I enjoy directness. And so when someone's speaking to me and I can tell they're kind of coming here and coming there and, and I think they want to ask a question, but I can't quite tell, I'm in a, a kind of a handicapped position where I don't know how best to love that person because I don't know really what they want and where they stand. And so Jesus, I think, here gives us permission if make your thoughts known and be direct 
but yet be kind. Be honest, but yet be considerate. And I think a big, big part of this comes when we trust the other person's love for us. Not that we execute that perfectly, but when you know someone is for you, when you know someone has your good in mind, when you know they love you, it allows you the freedom to be honest with your opinions, to share your ideas, and to make requests. And then the process starts where now we can bring all that information within our hearts and our opinions and before God and and make the decision whether we grant the request or not, right? Now the other side of that, a request, what can feel like a request to me can feel like a demand to someone else if when I make a request and it is not quite granted or it's not granted exactly how I want or exactly when I want, if all of a sudden there is some form of punishment executed, right? So maybe I make a request to an individual and I don't really get the feedback I want and I begin to withdraw from them. It's a form of punishment. If I make a request and I all of a sudden treat them harshly because they didn't respond the way I wanted, if I make a request and pretty soon I intimidate with anger even the way I request again and again and again and persist, All of those things turn into demands. And I haven't found anywhere in scripture when it's dealing with a a human-to-human relationship that we're called to demand. And so be careful to make sure that when we make a request, it doesn't turn into or even feel like a demand because of the negative responses that we can give uh, in that exchange. It happens a lot. A couple things that are assumed here. It's assumed that we ask for good gifts for bread and not the stone, right? For fish and not the serpent. So even in our human relationships, if we just on face value read, ask and you'll receive, well, we know that's not really true in our human relationships, right? You can ask a lot of things and not receive. And so we'll talk about how it's important to understand this man to man so we understand a little bit more of how we're supposed to relate to God. And so the first kind of metric that you kind of have to run this by is what I'm requesting and what I'm asking, uh, is it a good thing? Am I asking for the good things as God defines it? You think about it it goes to a father and a son. Uh, Griffin and I are spending the weekend together. The rest of the family's out east and uh, Griffin loves marshmallows. And so Griffin has the freedom to, to make requests of me, and he does often. But if right before church he says, Dad, can I have an, eat an entire bag of marshmallows? And he said, well, aren't you getting ready to preach on asking you'll receive? <laughs> However, what do I do with that information? Right? I, I assess it as the all-wise father. And I, I, now I know what he wants, which is helpful for me to make a decision to guide and to direct, to lead, to encourage, to protect. And so with that information, and the more information I get, the easier it is to make the right decision. With that information, now I can say, hey, you know what, buddy, you can have one, right? And so when you think about this in the context of is what I'm about to ask, uh, would I consider it an, an actual good thing? And uh, we'll eventually get to what it looks like to, to be good. And ultimately, I think, uh, I, I'll even give the liberty of it's either good, meaning it's in line with God, his ways and his will, or possibly morally neutral. I think God gives us the ground to make requests of each other and him that aren't necessarily uh, morally right or wrong. Uh, 
you can think of all kinds of examples of asking each other, where would you like to eat, right? There's not necessarily a morally right and wrong in and of itself, and so you can make those requests. And we'll talk through what that might look like uh, with God as well. So when we're interacting with people, uh, the importance of how can I search my own heart, see if it's in line with God's ways, and then simply make a request to an individual. So for Sherry and I, it looked like this. Uh, Our bed has four sleeping pillows. It has four decorative pillows for a total of eight pillows. And it also, aside from all the bedding, it also has a pink-ish furry blanket, like a throw. What? Okay, so I walk out the other day into the living room with the blanket in hand and I say, "Hun, can I put this thing away? We never use it in the summer and it's always fallen off the bed onto the ground and it gets in my way. And she says, okay, uh, I kind of like the color of that though and, and how it looks on the bed. Conclusion, blanket's on the bed. <laughs> but honestly, I loved that exchange. I love how it went. So I come out and I kind of make a request or a statement Uh, with saying, I'd rather this thing be put away. Could be very, very easy, especially for my wife to just say, okay, and that's it. But because she was honest with me and said, actually, I just like how it looks. All right, now I have another decision to make, right? Now, now this one comes before, all right, am I going to honor my wife and exalt my wife and consider others more important than myself or not? So that's that's another topic. Uh, However, the directness and the honesty that she responded back to me was huge. It made it a simple conversation. And she's out of town, and I still got the pink blanket on the bed. I'm practicing. Okay? But you see how if, if I withhold that information and I, one, just put it away, that could cause a problem, right? Yeah? And two, if I say, I want to put this thing away, and here's why, and because I'll tell you what I want and how I want it and when I want it pretty easy. Uh, my wife, it takes a little bit of time and it's a little bit harder. But if she just says, okay, and I put that thing away, now she's got this internal struggle and sometimes you have to do that. But the point is, I think Jesus is encouraging us, hey, trust people's, one, their relationship with God and them hearing and working through the Holy Spirit. Not that we do that perfectly, but trust people's love for you and treat them in that maturity and simply make your requests known and see how they respond. Many times it's not going to be in line and then you can work that out in the context of relationships, right? All right, going a little bit further, you think about how Jesus wraps this up. Treat uh, this piece of scripture up. Treat others the way that you would want to be treated. Most of the time we don't like having to navigate decisions that involve other people without knowing if it's going to upset them, or if they're going to delight in it, right? That's, that makes it more difficult. So you think about the beauty in just, just being honest, just f- searching your own heart about an opinion and saying, you know what, here's what I think. Now, we got to be very, very careful that we don't hold on to those things with both hands, right? Because pretty soon you get blocked expectations and then it just riles you up. And so Just like we'll talk about praying with God, you make the request and then you navigate what it looks like to either get the request granted or when it's not. Seeking and knocking are a little bit deeper on the action scale to me. I think basically that's that encouragement to take action on the things that you desire if those desires are in line with God's will. So you've heard, don't make a list, make a call. Like there's a lot of things that God presses on your heart, whether it's to confront somebody If you know that's of God, do it. 
If it's to encourage somebody and to tell them, man, every time I see you, my heart leaps because you're such an encouragement to me. Instead of just thinking it, do it. Right? God is saying in relationship, let's, let's, let's work in these interactions with each other. First point of seeking people out, seeking things out, being diligent, and then knocking usually is a little bit riskier with people, right? That's, that's to the point when you knock and it's open. Usually there's someone on the other side of the door. And we know earlier in this sermon talked about investing in eternal things and that's people so as you you think about the engagements you have with each other consider what Jesus is encouraging us to do here asking seeking knocking and then navigating how that thing goes and I think the way to navigate it and and what's going to determine how you navigate a person's response is found in this next section when we think through what our relationship with God looks like when we make requests of him when we seek out things uh, that he's involved in when we knock and expect him to open so I'm going to read in Luke 11 verses 9 through 12 is very similar to Matthew 7 just a few little nuances here verse 9 says and I tell you ask and it will be given to you seek and you will find knock and it will be opened to you for everyone who asks receive and the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks it will be opened What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So first interesting thing we get here. In the Matthew passage, it says it compares good things to good gifts. And here, it compares good things to the Holy Spirit. And I think what we take from that is one, anything that is truly good has have had to rub shoulders with God. Anything that is truly good has been consecrated by God, touched by God to be good. And so that's the beauty of the world has a ton of heartache, but it's got a lot of good. And the good is everywhere that God has been. And we're called to be those ambassadors and bring heaven down to earth and touch these spots that is now God's kingdom, right? And so that's one of the first Uh, things that I take when it kind of has this comparison of good things in the Holy Spirit the second thing is this the greatest gift of the gospel is God himself and so when we ask for more of God when we seek his face when we knock to be entered into a relationship with him I think then we can make entire and limitless claim on these verses that ask and you will receive Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be answered to you. Over and over and over, Scripture says, God in his declaration says, if you seek me with all of your heart, you will find me. It's a promise that we can hang our hat on. Now we need to assess the fact that sometimes that promise or the answer to those prayers don't always look like we think it's going to look and don't always come how we think they're going to come and in the time, right? And so to unpack that a little bit more, uh, this is what Matthew Poole says. He says, does this mean that God always gives us exactly what we ask for, when we ask for it, and how we want it? No. If we ask for a serpent, does he give us that? God gives us the good things and he knows what is good. We do not consistently and perfectly know what is good for us or for others. So I think if we're going to apply this piece of scripture, we have to recognize and understand that when we ask, we ask in humility. 
which means I ask God for things in prayer or even in hopes in the posture of trusting and knowing that God knows better than me. There's many times I think what I want is good, but it turns out to be a serpent. And it's trusting that God, in fact, loves me perfectly, that he has never mishandled my life, and he knows ultimately what's going to be best for me. A great picture of this is Paul in 2 Corinthians. He's got a thorn in his side, and he continues to ask God to do what? To remove that. Well, if he just read this piece of scripture, (laughs) he'd be confused if he didn't take in the rest of what he knows of God. He'd say, wait a minute, I asked and I didn't receive. Well, what he needs to consider, because Jesus, God's response to him is, I'm gonna leave that there and in your weakness, my power rests on you for when you are weak, you become strong. So, so God is saying in his perfect knowledge and in his great plan, What you would say is bad, which God could often say, yep, I agree, that's bad, but I'm not gonna grant your request because I have something better. And it doesn't always feel like that on face value, and it doesn't always feel like that while we're on earth. But that's where faith comes in that says, God, okay, I trust you in your goodness and your sovereignty and your perfection. So make requests of God, but recognize and understand He knows best and he will deliver his best to you. 1 John 5, 14, I think is helpful. It says, and this is the confidence that we have towards God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So the question is now, how do we know if something's in line with his will, right? Because sometimes God's will can be a, a hard thing to explore. And what's been helpful for me is to, to recognize and understand, I think God's will is less this one tiny little Easter egg hiding in this huge forest that I have to find. And it is a lot more, God's will is simply to be about his ways. So when you get to know God, and as we grow to know God, you get to know him more and more, you get to know in some way how he thinks and what he feels of things and his opinions. That's why we are here at church, right? To discover God more and then to align our lives with him. And so ask anything in accordance with his will, I think could also be said, ask things that are in line with his character. Ask things that are in line with his way of doing life. And you can have confidence that he hears you. So it's assumed that we're going to ask as Christ taught us to ask in the context of that relationship. A great example in James, it says, when you ask for wisdom, I will lavishly give it to you. Why? Because God loves that when we're directed by him. And he says that's what's best for us, that's what's best for each other, is when you allow me to be your acting God. So in that, his will, his ways, he says, if you want wisdom, ask it and I will lavish it upon you. We can be sure that he will make good on that promise. Later on in James, it says, in 4.3, it says, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you will spend what you have on your own pleasures. And so you think about this, it could be confusing if you just read, ask and receive, and then you flip over to James and it says, ask and you don't receive, but it tells you why. 
And so we've got to take both of these things together and recognize we certainly can apply ask, receive, seek, find, knock, and it will be opened if we understand kind of the rules of uh, implications of what God presents for us here. Here's something that I think happens often when we misapply a piece of scripture like Matthew 11. I've seen it do a lot of damage to people's faith, honestly, where they hear, ask, and receive, and so they continually make petitions to God. One, oftentimes those petitions aren't in line with his ways, and two, sometimes they, they are, but they don't trust his plan is better than theirs. And so we, we ask for things, and then when they don't come true, you start to lose faith because you think, what, am I praying wrong? Do, am I living wrong? Is this, is this now something that I have to kind of earn? Like, how does this work? And I think it's, it's so important because you hear that on face value and it can really throw a wrench in your faith. And I think that happens for a couple reasons. And, and two of the most common that I have seen is that one, we've already talked about, we don't end our prayers with your will be done. We don't end our prayers with saying, God, you are Lord, you know best, you have the full vision, I do not, and I trust that you love me. So whatever you say, whatever you do, I will come underneath that, whether I understand it or not. That's faith. Faith in his goodness and faith in his love. And two, and this is a big one, we don't take into account man's responsibility. So we've talked often about how our walk with God is a relationship. A month or two ago, Boomer pulled out that it is our relational response to what God has done in sending Jesus Christ and making us right with him. So it's a relational response to that. So when I think through prayer and I ask of God and I don't get my way, what is my response to that? Because many, many times it can deteriorate a person's faith when we go about responding in our own way Meaning me personally, I have done things that are uh, against, contrary to the way that God has set it out for me. And then when something goes wrong in my life, I get mad at him. Or we apply that in other people's lives. We, we look in and we pray for other people or we make suggestions and it doesn't seem like things are getting better. You're praying for your, your child's marriage and they wind up getting divorced. You pray for your parents' marriage and they wind up getting divorced. And you think, God, why did you do this? Over and over, we all have these stories of things that we're praying for that turned out bad. And it can be very easy to start getting jaded towards God. And I think the problem, it wasn't God. The problem is whoever, my own or the other party's response to God. That when we do things outside of his ways and outside of his desires, when we play God in our own lives, things don't go well. And God can sweep in and redeem those and I think that's his deep, deep desire and what he wants to do and what one day he will do. But it would be like me, I drive a, a Toyota 4Runner that I love and uh, it runs really well, right? Toyotas have a pretty good reputation about good running cars, engines last forever kind of thing. Well, if I take a cup of coffee out of here and I start pouring it into my Toyota gas tank and I drive out of here and I start puttering, puttering uh, and you see me and I am cursing Mr. Toyota what are you going to think? It's not Toyota's problem, buddy, right? But yet, think of how often, it's not always that overt, but think of how often we do this in life. Proverbs 19.3 says, when a man's folly brings his ways to ruin, 
His heart rages against the Lord. So a man's folly causes the ruin, and yet we shake our fists at God. Proverbs 6 says, can a man hold fire to his chest and not be burned? So I think when we look through these pieces of scripture that entail prayer, and it seems so direct, we have got to make sure that we're handling that correctly, or it can really do some damage. And we've got to make sure when we present it to other people, we present it correctly. Matthew Henry says, never, let us never suppose that our Heavenly Father would bid us to pray and then refuse to hear us. Or he would bid us and ask us to pray and then to give us what is hurtful. Again, you think about the, the innocent request for additional marshmallows. Or you think about our request that can be very, very, very deep. But God knows if I grant that, it will be your ruin. And many times I think we ask God to bless our idols, to bless the things that look good at the front but will ultimately destroy us. And so God says, please come, please ask, but trust me with my response. Therefore, I tell you, this is Mark eleven twenty four, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. How many of our requests are, are short-sighted how many of re- our requests are asked without the full information and then years later sometimes you see oh my goodness I'm so glad that didn't happen because it brought me to this and so none of this is to cause deep pause on the things that you request of God in fact I, I encourage you to make those requests check your motives why am I asking this But most of it is the encouragement to recognize God loves and delights in giving you his requests like a parent does a child when those requests are in line with what is good for you and when those requests are in line for building his kingdom and furthering his glory. He delights in it. And even though he doesn't need me to ask to fulfill his plan, I think he just, he invites me into that so I'm a part of it. There's such a partnership that's beautiful. He says, I don't need you, and if I was hungry, I wouldn't tell you. However, I love using you. And so I'm going to set this thing up. I'm going to rig the game in a way that allows you to come to me to make requests and to be a part of creating what I'm creating. We are made in the image of God. So I think this is why he says things like, ask and receive, become a part of this. Oftentimes, we discuss what it looks like to have an open cry and a closed cry. So if you're taking notes, write this one down. So an open cry would be that which I make a request for God, fully intending whatever his answer, I'm going to obey. Make a request to God and know either way, if he answers this way or if he answers that way, I'm going in faith because I trust him. Oftentimes we find ourselves making these closed cries to God that he says he doesn't pay any mind to. And that's when I say, God, I want you to show me what to do. And then once you show me, I'll assess it and evaluate it and then I'll make my decision. It can be sneaky, but it's easy to fall into. We include God, but then we ultimately want to be God of our life, right? There's a wonderful, wonderful picture of this all throughout the Bible. I love when when God um, gels together the relationship in his provident plan with man. So he says to Joshua, take and possess the land that I'm giving to you. Like, I love that language. I want you to take and possess something that I'm giving. 
There's such a, a partnership, and that's so relational, right? One of my favorite pieces of scripture here with the open cry is David in 2 Samuel 5. And so uh, hopefully this will help us discern how we apply Matthew 7 to our lives today. It says this, When the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over Israel, they went up in full force to search for him. But David heard about it, and he went down to the stronghold. Now the Philistines had come and spread out in the valley of Rephaim. So David inquired of the Lord, so there's the ask, Shall I go and attack the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hand? So David goes to God. There's a good lesson one. Shall I go and attack the Philistines? He's doing the attacking, and will you deliver them into my hands? The Lord answered, Go, for I will surely deliver the Philistines into your hand. So you get this relational response again, right? God promises, we act in obedience, we request, God acts. It's a beautiful dance. So David went, and there he defeated the Philistines. And he said, as the water breaks out and the Lord has broken out against my enemies before me, so that place called Baal Perezim, the Philistines abandoned their idols there, and David and his men carried them off. Verse 22, once more the Philistines came up and spread out in the valley of Rephaim. So David inquired of the Lord, and he answered, Do not go straight up, but this time circle around behind them and attack them in front of the poplar trees. As soon as you hear the sound of the marching in the tops of the poplar trees, move quickly, because that will mean the Lord has gone out in front of you to strike the Philistine army. So David did as the Lord commanded. And he struck down the Philistines all the way from Gibeon to Gezer. So again, David says, all right, shall I go up again? And God says, yeah, but we're going to do it differently. This time I want you to go to the sides. And then I want you to wait. And then you're going to see this sign, the poplar trees moving. That's when you attack. I wonder what would have happened if David wouldn't have been obedient. If he would have gone to the side and then he would have taken right away. I doubt they would have had the victory. Now God would have ultimately done what? continued to fulfill his plan and carried on Israel and brought Jesus Christ and destroyed the Philistines and have us sitting here today. But he wanted David to be a part of this in a way that required David to trust him. And so when David makes a request, God hears and answers and gives him the opportunity to trust in his love. And so when he waited and he saw the sign and then he did what? Action. Seek. Knock. He took action in response to God and his ways and his love and his commands, and he obeyed. And as a result, the kingdom of God was furthered that day, and we're reading about it now. wonder what they're going to write about you. Beautiful thing is God is continuing to tell his story, and he truly is telling it through you. And as God sent David, and then Christ came, Christ sends us, and he says, as the Father sent me, so I send you. And so in relationship to each other, I want you to lead your heart to love the things that I love. And as you continue to expose yourself to me, you will love me more. As you continue to have these disciplines that align yourself with me, you will begin to love what I love. And in that light, you can now have a lot more freedom and liberty to make requests of each other, to be honest with each other, and trust that you will navigate those things well. And then you can bring that to me and you can come with full confidence that I love you, that I hear you, and that I will respond with those things that are truly good for you.
and that if I withhold a request, it is in love. And you don't have to connect the dots. It won't always make sense, I promise you. And the fruition of this is whether I ever fully, fully understand this, even in eternity, in eternity, I will get to see all good. And sometimes that's all you get. Sometimes that's the only hope you have. But all of it rests on trusting that God indeed does love you. And so go to him like a son would a loving father, like a daughter would to a loving father. Let's pray. God, it fascinates me that we can approach the God who holds all things together, the God who sustains our very lives right now. And there's so many things in life that, that we can't make sense of and it's hard to, to know and place where you are in some of those stories. But God, continue to give us the faith and continue to look our eyes towards Jesus Christ and the cross and the resurrection whenever we doubt your goodness towards us. That if you were going to forsake us, it would have been then. And you chose us then and you choose us now and you will choose us through all eternity. So let us approach you with that confidence. We love you and we praise you. Amen.